Welcome to the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. My name is Mike, and I'm here with my son, Joseph. Together, we are learning sports one game at a time. I feel like we're going to be in the mix for six. Welcome to our recording studio, a rising star from the Hartford Current, Joe Arruda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the kind words. <laughs> Are you ready for the Sliders and Curveballs podcast annual UConn men's basketball preview show? I hope our fans are ready. Thanks so much for being with us, Joe. Of course. Thank you for having me. So it's great to have a new, fresh set of eyes on the program, and we enjoy your articles. Um, would you share your background and how you got involved with the Hartford Current and uh, UConn Sports? Yeah, so actually, I'm from Western New York, so UConn sports is kind of new to me almost completely. Obviously, I, I was a Syracuse fan, so I grew up watching UConn, but... Uh, Holy <laughs> cow, did we, we didn't know that prior <laughs> to <laughs> That's where I want to go for sports broadcasting when oh, I'm yeah? older. He thinks he does want to go there, but um, I, I didn't know if we knew that before we invited him here to the to the studio. You're not wearing any orange, are you? No, I'm not. I swear. Okay, you want to... Okay, all right. <laughs> But yeah, no, so I grew up in Western New York, and I actually almost went to Syracuse. I decided to go to Springfield College in Massachusetts, so I kind of have been in this area for the last five years. I graduated um, college in 2022 and then got hired at The Current as an intern um, after that um, and kind of got into the, the UConn beat. Um, I got hired as, as a UConn writer you know, out of my internship, so that was that was awesome, but that was really my journey to here. I studied communication sports journalism at Springfield College. It's a great program, you know, small program. You get a lot of opportunities there. So I had internships and, and things like that that got me ready for this. So yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so that's what we think Joe wants to do. So your exact degree is? Communication, sports journalism with uh, minors in sports analytics and English. Wow, fantastic. That's great. That's really great. All right, Joseph, you want to go ahead and um, and, and basically you work with Don Mamori or oh, yeah. yep. you kind of shadow him? He's a, he's a legend in this area. Yeah, he's a columnist for us, so we, we work side by side, basically. That's fantastic. Did you tell him that you were coming on the show? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, you'll have to let him know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will. I know you, you just had him on, right? We have yeah. had Dom on, but I don't think he's actually come to the studio. I think we did that one remote. Gotcha. So, Joseph, why don't you fire off uh, your first question? I watched the NBA draft with my dad, and we both play fantasy hoops. I'm better because I got the first pick, and I took Nikola Jokic. I'm excited to see Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins, and Adamo Sonogo play as pros. In your opinion, where do they stand in UConn's long list of greats? How good could they each be in the NBA? Yeah, you saw Jordan just got his second start last night, second NBA start. He guarded Steph Curry in his first one, but... Um, yeah, I mean, where do they stand? I think they put together, you know, a national championship run that will immortalize them uh, forever, you know. Um, as far as the UConn greats, I mean, I, I don't have the extensive UConn history um, to, to rank them all, but I, they're definitely up there. I mean, once you put a championship up, your your name's up there forever. Um, Jordan, I think he, he's already well on his path to, you know, getting his opportunity, and he's putting up a ton of shots. He didn't have the best shooting night the other day, but he, you know, he – did everything off otherwise and, and, you know, played a lot of minutes. Um, Andre, he was electric. I don't know if you watched any of his preseason stuff. He had crazy dunks and blocks, everything that you used to see him do in a UConn uniform. And, then, and a little bit better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Giannis loved it and Dane Lillard loved it. Um, but, yeah, and then Adama's just trying to work his way, way onto the team, and he made the opening day roster. So uh, good for him, and hopefully he can uh, – make a role for himself. But would you think Andre Jackson going into the draft would be better than Adama Sonogo? But when you compare stats to UConn, Sonogo had, was a little bit better on UConn, but apparently Jackson's above and beyond in NBA. Yeah, I mean, Andre just has all the physical gifts that you can have. He's a crazy athlete. Um, and, I mean, you saw how electric he is on the court. And then off the court, he's an, an awesome guy that they're going to have to replace this year, which is one of the one of the bigger challenges going into this season. Yeah, really great leader. And then, of course, the athleticism, his ability to dunk and get out on the break and get steals. He's really, really an electric player. Maybe his body being a little bit more alive is more of an NBA type of thing, while Sonogo is a little bit more to the ground. But for, for my <laughs> money at UConn, Sonogo, you know, you just can't win without him. He was totally dominant. Oh, yeah. I you mean, he's always, a perfect college player. You would always think he was better, but apparently in the NBA it shows that Jackson is 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, to... yeah, it's a different a different type of game a little bit. And, you know, there are different guys at the center position in, in the NBA. You know, yeah. Jokic didn't match up with really any college players so, I know. Uh, last year. So, Well, Joe, it's very hard to go back to back, right? That's no easy task. It's, it's very rare. We lost three major pieces, as Joe just mentioned. We're still ranked number six in the preseason. And you've been around the team. And um, we just wanted to get, you know, we'll get a scouting report shortly, but what do you think fans could expect this year from the team? Obviously, we want a deep run, but what do you think would be, you know, reasonable expectations? I mean, I think this team is capable of making that run. I think they're going to have to do some gelling and they're going to have to get guys to step up. You know, the the big three of returners this year is Tristan Newton, Alex Caravan, and Donovan Klingon, and they're going to have to take take jumps in their second years at UConn and then... Um, Cam Spencer comes in with a lot of experience, so he'll have to fit in. And then all the freshmen, they're going to have to get used to college quickly. And I think that's what these early games are going to be about. You know, with Klingon still rehabbing his foot, he's going to probably start low on the minutes and climb. Um, but during that time is going to be important for all the other players to f- figure out their role and how they fit together. But, yeah, I think the ceiling for this team is is, is through the roof. And there's no better feeling when you're uh, getting ready for the season to start to say, you know what, I think – we have a chance. Yeah. We could we could possibly go all the way. And coming off of a year where we did it anyway, it's even more exciting. Yep. What's the last update on Donovan Klingon's foot and how do the coaches think is a one time it think this is a one time injury for him? Um, I don't think they can, you know, sort of just guess that it's a one time injury. Who knows? You know, it's injuries, but um, yeah, I think the the last we heard, he was on the court. And he was getting shots up uh, before the blue white night. He was shooting threes and doing a little post work, but his foot still looked a little bit. You know, he's being real hesitant with his foot. So I think he's he's getting there. He's getting back. Um, he definitely wants to be back. But but like I said, yeah, they're gonna probably play him a little bit at a time and and climb those minutes up so that he's really ready for those tough contests in the non conference. And then once the Big East starts. Now, do you know what the actual injury was? Yeah, so it was a foot. They called it a foot strain. I'm not exactly sure. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the difference between a foot strain and a foot sprain. Um, but I think I think it was just minor. Um, I don't think it was the same thing that Samson Johnson had to deal with last year. Um, yeah, because he missed but, quite a bit of time. And he was originally a starter. Yeah, he was a starter for the first game. And then Alex came in and, you know, really filled that role. So they didn't need to rush Samson back. And they found a, a groove with Alex in there. And then there was just really no minutes for, for Samson last year. Now, I could be imagining this, but I thought I read something about like his third toe, um, where it was maybe broken or fractured. I, I don't know if that could have been what it is. I I didn't hear that. Um, maybe someone else got it. I wasn't. I'm not sure. Hopefully, it's something that's not yeah. going to be reoccurring because you think big guy and feet. Right. You know, yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it's got to be yeah. very. Um, you mm-hmm. got to be very careful with something like that. I know he's been doing a lot of work in the pools and, and trying to get his cardio in that way, but but he's also going into a season where they're expecting him to double his minutes. So that's another, you know, layer to this where, you know, they want his cardio to be up there and they want his, you know, conditioning work to be up there so that he can stay in the game that long. Absolutely. So we got the veteran point guard Tristan Newton was returning. And I think that really when he announced that he was coming back, that's a real key to saying, holy cow, this team, I mean, he was the leading scorer in the uh, in the finals. Mm-hmm. This team has the great possibility of... Uh, some extreme excitement here. In addition to uh, successful, healthy sophomore leaps for Donovan and, and Alex Caravan, um, these three champions will need to do really great again. Um, Donovan will obviously take Sonogo's role. Um, Samson Joms- Johnson will probably be backing him up. It won't look the same, but do you believe that that combination in the front court could be uh, something that would work? I think, yeah, I definitely think it could work. I think maybe even there, you know, we had this whole conversation last year, not you and I, but, you know, you know, of Donovan and Adama possibly playing together. This is a different situation because Samson is much more of an athlete. He can move quicker than Adama could, and Donovan's not the fastest kid, you know, laterally, you know, compared to Samson who can who can really move around. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to play together often, but I think it will work. You know, Donovan's going to have to – Samson's really going to have to step up because if Donovan gets in foul trouble and things like that, that's where it starts to get a little iffy you know, because they don't really have that backup four behind Alex. Um Samson will kind of back up the both of them. Yeah, I think that um, you, then you got Singari who who might get some minutes, but you're right, some foul trouble could go ahead and rock the boat a little bit. Right, right. It could last year too. So Of course. Oh. And that's a worry with every team. Yeah, of course. Of course. Where's my dribble one? There we go. 
Joseph, go ahead. Fire away. Let's talk five freshman and sharpshooter Cam Spencer. I was impressed by solo ball strength in the hops at the West Hartford summer practice. Castle is a diamond. What's your scouting report on some of the new faces? Yeah, so Cam, we'll start start with Cam, I guess. I mean, he's a competitor. Like, he does not like to lose anything. There was a, the first night when him and Alex Caravan were in the final round of the three-point contest. I wrote about this the other day. Uh, he was not happy when he lost and yeah. Dan Early, who is kind of ironically one of you know the crazier minds, the more competitive people out there in the in the sport. Uh, he went to go console him and, and Cam was basically like, get away from me, you know, I don't you know, I lost. Uh, he does not like to lose. He he wants to he wants to rematch um Alex. Um so yeah, he's <laughs> he's he's a fun character that I think fans are gonna enjoy getting to know throughout the year. Um then Stefan Castle, obviously, you mentioned it. He can pass the ball. He can facilitate. Um, I think Dan wants him to be in a little bit of an Andre role where he can, you know, start the transition and get things going. Um, and then um, who else do we got? Solo ball, shooter. He can shoot. Jaden Ross has been impressive. I think he surprised the coaches um, with how good he is, um, both shooting threes and playing defense. Um, and then you got Jalen Stewart who's still learning sort of the complexities of what Hurley's got going on. But, you know, he's going to be a really – he was a really, you know, touted offensive, you know, player before he came. So um, we'll see what he can contribute. And then, you know, Yusuf, you mentioned Yusuf already. Um, I don't think I missed – did I miss anybody? No, that's the five. Jaden uh, Ross. Oh, yeah, he, he said Ross. Um, oh. we, we, we like Ross. Oh, yeah. He's definitely got a live body. We've, we've had some conversations uh, with him off the air along with Solo, two really nice kids. Um and hopefully th- th- there's an opportunity for them to come on the show in the future. Um, yeah, Cam, definitely competitive. Oh, the Greek guy. Well, but he's um, apostolus, but he's he's. this is his second year. Yeah, he's a sophomore. Oh. We'll, we'll have to see if he ends up getting some you know, some minutes at some point in time. he did not play last year. That's true. Well, Cam, how could he go to Rutgers if he doesn't want to lose? Yeah, well, he started at Loyola, Maryland, played three years at Loyola, okay. Maryland, then went to Rutgers. Um, he was very under-recruited. I wrote a story about him shortly after he committed where I talked to his high school coach, and it was a chore to get him recruited to a college. You know, he wasn't getting recognized out where he was in Maryland. Um, so he ended up going to Loyola, Maryland, where his brother was a star lacrosse player, one of the best in the country when he played, um, and then uh, transferred to Rutgers because he had that shot to move up, and then UConn is just another step up for him. So That's great. Did you see him play at all um, at Rutgers? Um what did you think? What did you think of his game? I mean, he's got a really nice shot. When I saw him uh, live and in person, a little shorter than I thought he was going to be, um, but it, beautiful um, uh, mechanics, uh, nice rainbow on on the on the three, mm-hmm. and obviously I love the fire. Um, and we need to replace some shooting. But did you see him at all in his big tenure? I watched highlights of him. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch any Rutgers games fully, but you know he had the game winner against Purdue. He had another one like a couple days later, I think, against Northwestern. Um, but he's he can pass the ball, he can get things going in transition, and then defensively he's he's still he can hang, and I think that's where he's trying to get used to what what's going on at UConn is on the defensive end. But offensively, he can create shots for himself, he can create shots for teammates, and yeah, like you said, he's going to need to be you know a big time shooter this year. Definitely, and uh, Stewart, when we went to the West Hartford uh, St. Joe's Open. Um, uh, practice for a uh, season ticket holders. Uh, he was just on the bicycle pedaling off to the side, and then about a week or so after that, they ended up going overseas, which I believe he didn't play as well. Maybe something like a groin injury or something. So he got a little bit behind. So I, I, I really don't know too much what to expect of him. Yeah, he he was already behind when he got there because he his school out in Seattle got over late, so he couldn't come in. You know, come onto campus when all the other freshmen did. So he he did have co- quite a bit of a late start, and I think at this point. Um, Dan has mentioned, you know, it's it's him getting adjusted to sort of learning their style because that West Coast style out in Seattle is a lot different than what Dan Hurley's doing. You know, Jersey or originated, you know, now at UConn, you know, sort of system. Um, so yeah, I think he he'll get he'll he'll play, um, but it'll be a, a matter of him getting more comfortable and getting used to to what's really going on around him. Sure, Joseph, go ahead with another one. The big. The Big East looks tough this year. We were picked third. In addition to some big road matchups, which games are you looking forward to the most? In the Big East, um, I'd say the game at Providence. That one's gonna be that yeah. one's gonna be a, a fun one. 
Um, I got I got hit in the head with a beer can last time they played there. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. so I and I went to school in Rhode Island, so believe me, I've been to lots of Providence Wait, games. You got hit in the head with a yeah, beer can. Yeah, my seat was right in front of the student section, and they were winning. Obviously, they were excited, and they were just throwing throwing <laughs> throwing cans. Um, but um, yeah, that one that one should be fun. Um, and then you know what else? You know, Marquette's always fun. Creighton's always fun. You know those those yeah. good teams up at the top of the the conference are always fun atmospheres. Um, now, are they, is the Hartford Current sending you to road games? Yeah, yep. Wow, how exciting. Yeah, yeah. Should so. you get to go on the plane with the team? No, you don't go with the team, but you fly oh. in, get in around the same time they do and everything like that. So, yeah, I got to I got to fly to almost every game last year. I just didn't go to the uh, Phil Knight Invitational, but other okay. than that, I was at everything, so it was awesome. Wow, that's exciting. Look at that. And one of my reading teachers is a Providence fan, so he'll – He'll love it. <laughs> and the interesting thing is Providence just lost their coach because he decided to take the head coaching job at Georgetown. Georgetown. So there's a lot of movement going on, and it's always fun to have the uh, your neighborhood rivals not like each other. Oh, yeah. The fans don't really yeah. like each other. Um, I'm sure the players, you know, they, they, get, they got um, the fella on Providence, the four – uh, the foreman, uh, Bryce Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins, yeah, yeah. He, he gave work to the uh, um, Huskies uh, in, in the first game last year. So it's um, there's there's a lot of payback that needs to happen when it comes to uh, both sides of the equation. Oh yeah, that was that was he was matched up with Alex, and that was in the beginning of Alex's sort of defensive. Whatever Break you want to, yeah. He he was really learning, you yeah. know, for for a stretch there. Yeah, Alex mentioned that to yeah. us because he was in the studio sitting yeah. here in, in your exact chair, and he said, yeah, uh, Hopkins. Gave him some moves. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, but Alex did improve, and and he thinks that, and that's something he worked on a lot over the summer. So we should see, you know, a, a better defensive Alex Caravan this year, which is something to look forward to. Absolutely, we're big fans of his, and um, he did make some big improvements from one game to the next. You saw him growing. Yeah. So that's for really sure. exciting. What about some of the um, uh, non-conference games? Uh, they have a really juicy schedule this year. Unfortunately, a lot of those games are on the road. Um, or our second home, I suppose, at Madison Square Garden. But what are some of the uh, games that stand out to you um, that are just high-profile games, uh, you know, out of conference? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to def- December 1st against Kansas. That, yeah. That, at the Fog Allen, that's going to be an awesome game. You know, Donovan Klingon versus Hunter Dickinson. Um, just the num- preseason number one versus preseason number six. You know, who knows what they're going to be at that point. Um, but that that's a game to look forward to. And, and those teams are two programs that kind of go at each other in recruiting a lot. You know, those type of games are always are always good, those blue blood games. And then um, North Carolina, that's yeah. always fun. You know, MSG. Because um, we, we went two years ago to the St. John's UConn game in MSG with my friends. It was really great. We sat like second row center. Very exciting. Awesome. Until you ate a raw hamburger. I did, yes. Um, well, I only bit into it a little bit, but I, I did get I did get a raw one. So that's tough. <laughs> I mean, it was still. Do we have a moo button? How about? No, oh, that's not mooing. It wasn't a top strike like that, but um, I had to replace it. That's for sure. Yeah, it'll be exciting. I was a little bit disappointed to see that the game against Kansas is on a Friday because normally. UConn doesn't play many games on Friday. We're actually, and probably will podcast our sounds of the game, we're going to one of a couple Celtics games that year where, okay. where we will ship up to Boston and they're playing Philly that Friday. It's at 7.30, so I probably, I'll have to have Joe send me a picture from Fog Allen and he'll have to tell me what the score is as I start to head my way towards the hotel because we'll probably catch the, probably the second half. Yeah, that's going to uh, be a fun yeah, game. I'll, uh, yeah. yeah. It'll be good. We, we could check it during the game. Do you know what they're going to be chanting when you're over there? What are they going to be chanting? Rock, Chalk, (laughs) Jayhawk. I mean, that's one of the uh, most mysterious and frightening sounds, I think, if you have a lot of people that are saying that. So it's not quite our big red one when there's a comeback, but um, that one is always, uh, I always think, uh, very ominous. So um, they're a good team. And uh, hopefully uh, when I I come out of the TD Garden, uh, UConn will be up by double digits, I hope. Um, so, the, as you mentioned, you know, the team is loaded, Joe. Top recruiting class, top coaching staff, confidence. Gino once said after a couple rings, you don't want anybody to think your first one was a fluke. Once you taste success, you know, you want more of it. Now, I watched the HBO documentary with, with Hurley, and he still seems hungry. Um, he's great for sound bites. Hopefully, we'll have him in the studio one day. From your experience with Coach Hurley, can you share some insight or even a personal story or two as you're a young guy on the beat? 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely hungry for another one. You know, that guy, he's, like I mentioned earlier with the Cam Spencer story, I mean, he's one of the more competitive people that I've ever met. Um, and, you know, the other day we were at, at practice, I think this was two weeks ago maybe, uh, he he walks across the court to get over to where we were doing our media availability, and he's walking really slowly and gingerly, and he's, like, limping. And he had, like, back spasms or something going on, cramps, because he had slept on his couch the night before. Um, his wife was in Jersey, and he was, you know, exhausted from coaching the team because he said this is the hardest that he's coached a team. Um, because he's he's won the national championship, he feels like he has everything in place, um, and, and he wants that second one. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was he was in physical pain at how, at how hard he's pushing this team. So so that's something to look forward to. We'll see if they get burnt out or if he gets burnt out, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> tough to predict. It is. Now, when you first met him, what was it like? It was, for me, that was the first, like, major – I'd covered the football team a little bit, but this was – when I first met him, it was just like a month in, you know, to the job because I, I do the football beat at The Current too, so – um, when I first met him, that was he was really the first big time coach, Division One basketball coach that I've ever met. So it was a little intimidating for me, anyways. And I I known you know from the outside what he was like on the sidelines and everything, and I was a little bit worried. But I played it a little bit, you know, I played it a little far back that that day. But you know, <laughs> um, he's always fun to talk to. He's always going to give you a good quote, and he's. Uh, He's definitely, you know, competitive and, and looking forward to another another ring. Yeah, we're lucky to have him for sure. Um, Joseph, you have another one? How do you feel about Cooper Flag going to Duke? How do I feel? I don't really have feelings about it because I, I don't really, you know, I'm not a fan um, per se, but um, I think I'm not surprised. I think, you know, Duke was, he said it was his dream school a while ago. You know, they were... It, for a while there, it felt like Duke was a lock, um, but but UConn really did climb back into that com- conversation, and his dad put it out there online that you know it was closer than anyone will ever realize, like his him making that decision, um, and you know Dan, you know Hurley and the staff, they didn't give up, you know, on that, and you know I think it's a good thing about the program that they're in those conversations for you know a number one recruit like him. Um, so yeah, I think overall it's probably good for the the program down the line. Not the fact that he didn't commit to UConn, but the fact that he was that close to to doing so. You know, now UConn is going to be in the conversation for some of those top recruits. So. Of course, I've seen uh, clips of him. He looks very exciting. Um, a little part of me thinks it was almost like when UConn was recruiting Andre D- Drummond years ago. Um, he grew up in Hartford. He was a fan of UConn forever, and then Duke actually climbed into the equation a little bit. And, you know, when they come calling and, and Krzyzewski is, is there, you're going to listen. So I, I was kind of hopeful that, you know, just winning the championship adds a little bit more credibility versus, uh, you know, John over at uh, um, Duke uh, who, who, who can't say that he has a ring yet. But, of course, the, the school has magic and an allure. And that's actually what makes UConn so impressive is that they were able to get a few trophies in their years off of Duke's back in their cabinet um and that's what makes it special so they, they are obviously are a special school and and now we have to root against them from now till the end of time right joe yeah i always thought duke went down ever since rj barrett zion williamson all of them all of them went into the nba like because in 2020 2019 they had so many good players like they were the number one seed in their division almost won another championship and then they just lost rj barrett zion williamson to the nba and i haven't heard of him a lot because they don't really have too many like stars that oh my god these guys are going to be mvps future hall of famers anymore and now you just hear oh well uconn has these guys coming up and Kansas has these guys, and then it's like now, like, Kansas was always a top team, but, like, UConn is very popular, but it was like they came up, Duke went down. Yeah, my my whole theory on that, you know, 2020 was such a weird year. Yeah. You know, those schools that you talk about, you know, Duke, Kentucky, a lot of those schools that have the one-and-done guys, my theory is, and I don't know if this is backed up by anything, but, you know, in 2020 – you couldn't really get together and build a chemistry on a team. And when you watch those teams, you know, in 2020, 2021, you know, those guys didn't, they didn't have a sort of collective, 
you know, they didn't mesh well. It didn't look like to me. And, and you know, I feel like at those schools, that 2020 was really, it really hurt them because they weren't able to have all that time to, to prepare together and hang out with each other off the court. You know, I was in college at the time. I was a sophomore in college when, when COVID happened and we had to wear masks inside and outside. You can only have one other person in the room. And it was, it was not a good time for, for college, you know, students and college athletes. So, yeah, that's my theory on that. I think they'll be back. I think those schools, will be, as you see with Cooper Flag going there. but Yeah. Um, Maybe yeah. he'll be their leader yeah. like Zion or like Jason Tatum was when he was younger and freshman in college. He was he started climbing up the leaderboard, and then Zion Williamson came, R.J. Barrett came, and all those guys. Here's a trivia question. Speaking of that team, if memory serves me correct, they, Zion's team got bounced out of the NCAA tournament from a guy who's a cult hero used to play for the Celtics and very, very tall. Do you happen to know the name of the guy who knocked Zion out of the NCAA tournament? Tall? Very tall. Taco Fall. Taco yes, Fall's team that. knocked UCF. out Duke. UCF. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that game was crazy, too. Do you so, remember how that came down to yeah, the end? Yeah, it came yeah. down to the wire, right? Yeah. yeah. I was watching that on TV with you. I remember that. Do you have another one, Joseph, before we get to one of our most famous parts of the uh, show, which is going to be true, false, and why? Do you have another question, Joe, or no? Yeah. Who do you think our starters will be in top two guys off the bench? Gotcha. So my prediction is going to go like this. We're going to go point guard, Stefan Castle. Shooting guard, well, I guess we won't go shooting guard. We'll go guards. We'll be Stefan Castle, Cam Spencer, and Tristan Newton. Um, and then Alex at the four and Donovan at the five. That's what yeah. I would guess. I don't know if Donovan's going to start the first game. Um, I, we might find that out on Sunday when we talk to them right before. Um, but, you know, if it's not, it'll be Samson. But I think, you know, Donovan's, Donovan will be eventually the starter. Um, and then the first two guys off the bench. Um, solo? I would guess Solo and I would guess Samson. Um, sure. One front court, one back court. Yep. Those two, yeah, I think those two. If if not them, I think Hassan Diara has a chance of moving into that spot. Um, they want him to be sort of a veteran guy that can lead the second unit. But yeah, Solo. I've heard a lot of good things about Solo this year. That's yeah, that's great. a really good starting five, and and hopefully the bench will be like they were last year. I I thought I read it could have been you, maybe Dom or or or, or our buddy Mr. Borges, um, that Hurley really wants to you know do a great job with the starting five and then it's almost like passing a baton in a relay where you get that next group that comes in and they extend the lead and you almost can run a team out of the gym with fresh legs and skill at every position so that that would be a really exciting approach yeah i mean that's what they did last year it was you know 10 deep that's what rick patino said he said his <laughs> second unit came in and it was better than the first unit um in that iona game and that's really what it was you know donovan really was donovan and then you know naheem and, and some of the bench guys really kept them in that game but, yeah, I mean, it says something when you can have, you know, two separate units come in and have that level of energy and then be able to bring the starters yeah. back in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Now, from the Jim Calhoun era to today, team building and the recruiting pr- approach is is changed dramatically. Um, you know, I've read some crazy nil deals where football players, they're getting a, a brand new F-150. Every single person on the team, including the water boy. Wow. Um you know, getting trucks. These nil collectives are popping up. Even we even have one at um, Connecticut uh, with Mark D'Amelio. You know his his daughter. We Charlie actually D'Amelio. Charlie, right? She they actually the family gave us tickets. Uh, was it the the COVID year? We sat front row with masks on. We sat in their seats. They were very generous. And, I got and to we hold the them. ball at halftime. Yeah, he tossed the uh, referee tossed Joseph the ball. It was really cool. So there's the portaling. And I met Jordan Hawkins in his freshman year. That's right. We have a nice photo next he, to him. He had like uh, uh, lettuce in his teeth, but it, it, <laughs> he was just sitting on the bench as a freshman, um, looking at the 2019 guys warm up. And I went over to him, dabbed him up, and he said, uh, "I said I want to be you one day." And then we turned out we're, we already started doing this. And then as I got older, I finally like wanted to become a sports broadcaster with um like i want to take uh uh the white mamba spot for the celtics i want to be him wouldn't that be great you can be uh 
on the on the broadcast and uh, go on the road game and see all the NBA yeah. games. That would be pretty awesome. Sounds like I'll fun. Let, we'll let Scalabrini know that his time is limited. And my time's team. up. Your time. Well, your time is coming soon, right? And um, that'll be that would be really neat. Yeah. Mr. Gorman is retiring, so mm-hmm. you just got to slide right in there. Maybe two Joes, Joe and Joe. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You never know. That might be a, a nice dream team. <laughs> well, you know, as we're talking about the, you know, the portaling, and it seems like everybody is going after all these different players. No salary cap, obviously. What do you think the Big East future is like, and where UConn falls in all of this as it relates to putting teams together? You know, going forward. Yeah, so I think, you know, you mentioned a lot of things there. I think, you know, UConn, the NIL stuff, it's not the first thing that – UConn doesn't want kids that are chasing NIL. Um, and that's sort of – I don't want to say that's what we saw with this last recruitment, but, you know, Dan made a comment recently. He said, we're not social media basketball, we're blue-collar basketball. Um, and I think that's really the mentality that UConn is taking with this. Uh, over the summer, you saw a lot of conference stuff, conference realignment. That's all – football driven um so you know i don't know what the future is you know the the realignment stuff is insane to to follow and to keep an eye on but but yeah i mean i think nil they're gonna there's gonna be more kind of guidelines and things like that for it going forward as as people continue to learn about it that's sort of how a lot of things work when they're yeah. first when they're brand new you kind of massage them yeah because right now it seems like it's unlimited you know what i mean uh we'll give you the world you know I mean, yeah. they might give the town of uh, Weathersfield to a kid coming up in the next <laughs> few years. You know what I mean? Um, but it's it's definitely something that kids, I, I'm sure, are starting to weigh. You know what I mean? How much am I worth? Yeah. How much is my jersey going to be worth? Um, if I want to leave Rutgers, for example, and, uh, you know, Michigan wants me, Ohio State wants me, you know, two, 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 two teams in the SEC wants me, is the highest bidder. And then I'll talk to the coaches. It starts to become and feel a little bit like a pro dynamic. Yeah, like now it's like the NBA. Whatever team gives me the most money is the team I'm going to. Right, and that, that, that for me, I guess, spoils things a little bit. And I'm hoping that UConn can continue their culture of, listen, we want, you know, winners who want to play, and you're going to be up here in Stores, Connecticut, where the cows are roaming by, and you focus on basketball, just like Ray Allen used to say. If you want to focus on something else, then you're, you're, you're focusing on the wrong stuff. So yep. you need a court and a ball. But um, there's a lot of people that want these players, and, and so it starts to become very competitive. I mean, years ago, I don't think I ever would have seen Jim Calhoun with a diamond-encrusted Yukon chain on, you know, uh, uh, Charlie Villanueva's neck. Um, but now they got the lightsabers, and they want to take the pictures with them, and, and, and it's, it's different. you got to keep up with the times. You can't be, you know, caught in the dark ages. But um, also, there's a lot of uh, pulls in a lot of different directions as well. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, you know, I don't think it's great for the game. I think the, I think players should be compensated and everything for how much money they make for schools and things. Um, but, you know, the way that it is now, where it is very transactional, um, I'd like to see a little bit more of a regulation on that, you know. But UConn, UConn's done it, you know, without getting those top guys. They do it their way, and, and that's what they've done. They have five championships in the last 25 years, so. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, let me ask this one, Joseph. Um uh, last year's title run was magical. Um, there was a rocky January. Um, would you share a couple of stories about covering the team on the way to uh, Banner Number Five? What did, What do you remember? What are some of the things that really kind of stood out to you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, for me, are you asking me or this Joe? We got two Joes. Well, yeah. Well, Joe. Well, you guys could both <laughs> comment. Why not? You could go first. Me first. All right. Um, yeah. So I mean, it was my first time covering a team. So and when I think they were when they were fourteen and zero and they. We're up in, you know, they were ranked, I think, number two in the, in the AP poll. I was, like, texting people, and I was like, I might be covering a national championship team here. Like, I might be covering the best team in the country. I started to get excited a little bit. Um, and then they had that, that skid, and I remember that Seton Hall game when, when Dan Hurley couldn't go because he had COVID, and Kamani Young wasn't there. Um, and they, they blew that lead in the second half and lost. Now, after that game, you know, then they I think they, they lost to St. John's after that or – before they were both I don't close remember together. the exact order but one of them one of them was a put back rebound I don't think somebody boxed out and the kid just crashed yeah that was and, that, was, and that was a heartbreaker yeah. Um, but yeah I mean January was not fun it wasn't and but it was it was interesting to see how they you know dealt with it all because Dan did a lot of self-reflection during that time you said you watched the HBO thing um, you know he he really had to tone down you know his attitude towards the referees and, and his style of coaching um, he had to he had to look at it in the mirror and really you know figure it out um, during that time. But 
yeah, I mean, seeing that, the way that they were able to go through that, like it, I don't, I think it made it more fun in the end. You know, is it as fun when you cover an undefeated team? I don't know. You know, you want you want to see a team have some. We'll let that uh, happen to you down. this year, yeah. <laughs> and you're we'll a good see. luck charm, right? We'll see. <laughs> and then, how about as you uh, as you went towards you know the Big East tournament, and then into uh, into the tournament dynamic? Yeah, I mean, that was you know that was when we were able to go into the locker rooms for the first time. Um, that was my first time ever covering a team in the locker room, which is crazy to all the other beat guys because that's what they've done forever. And you know, just recently they stopped you know being able to do that. Oh, why um, why did that stop? Well, I think it stopped with COVID. I think that's when it first stopped, and then they never brought it back. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But they did bring it back for the Big East tournament, oh, and good. they did for the NCAA tournament. So what was that like? That was really cool for me, um, one, because I was able to, you know, sort of, you, you see a different level of the guys. You know, maybe it's a similar level to what you saw with Alex when you had him in here. Where, sure. You know, it's different when you're in a press conference and when you're, you know, sitting at your locker talking, just relaxing. Um, you get a different sort of relationship that way, and you get better answers and better quotes and things of like course. that. Of so course. It's also pretty great when an 11-year-old is firing questions yeah. at you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, just going to those locker rooms, you know, after they won, I think that was the, the craziest moment for me because they had just won, and I'm standing in a locker room with, you know, a bunch of national championships, and Ray Allen is in there, Mecca Okafor is in there. You know, all these guys are in there, Rudy Gay's in there, like – um, just, you know, seeing the locker room and what they've done to it after they won, first of all. Um, and then, you know, just being able to talk to those guys in that environment was really, you know, an awesome moment for me. That's really great. You got to move on and you went all the way to Houston, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. That's fantastic. Joseph, um, True or False is going to come up next. One thing I did want to mention. So um, we have a marketing relationship and a sponsor of uh, Tops. And um, so we have a fantastic artist that we work with. His name is Paul Jenis, and he does these game-within-the-game cards. It's basically a um, portrait of a famous baseball player, maybe a rookie or even somebody from the past. And uh, then there's a little character next to it of them swinging or hitting, like in the Derek Jeter one, he's turning two. So we give hundreds of these cards away a year, and oftentimes we do what's called pitch us a question on our show. And so this year, uh, or rather for this episode, we had asked some of our fans to ask a good question. And I, I might as well go ahead and say now, Uncle Lou is going to win the card this year or this, this, this particular episode. Last year, he asked this question and I, and I thought it was ridiculous. But this year, he says, should UConn be considering the possibility of a dual championship again? Now... Listen, basketball capital of the world, it's written on our court. AZ's back. Paige you know, Paige is back. is back. Joseph went to AZ's clinic as he went to yeah. Kevin Freeman's clinic. He gets to see these players up and close. And Gino will have a very good team too. It's not out of the realm of the possibility to think that this could possibly be something to shoot for as a goal. And, you know, what, what other schools can even dream of this? UConn could possibly aim towards doing it a third time. So, Lou, you're going to get the card. That is a great question this year. And what do you th what do you think, Joe, about the, the the dream? You're right. It is kind of crazy that they can say it, and it's not that crazy to say. You know what I mean? You know, I guess it's the four thing. Is it 04, 14, 24? Is that what we're looking at this year? And, you know, the women's team is really good. Yeah. Uh, they, they return a lot of players and, you know, four, like, all-American candidates and, you know, Paige and AZ playing together. You know, there's a lot of cool storylines with that team. Um, could we see it? Sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I know just as well as you do. I mean, I think that both teams have a chance to compete for it, um, and we'll see kind of how the season plays out. But, but yeah, I mean, there's it's something that hasn't been done since 2007 t for the men to go back-to-back. -back. But then to, to do the dual championship thing is even – the odds are even crazier for that. So um, I think it's definitely in the cards. It's a possibility. It would be so exciting to see. And you're right, it does have a particular rhythm to it that it happens almost every so much so many years for UConn, mm -hmm. not the other schools. And one thing that I was looking at when I was in the garage today was we have this poster. Um, it's, you know, a couple of trophies and sneakers like hanging in a locker. I think it was kind of like a mock-up of Sports Illustrated. It said Huskies Illustrated. That's and it in says, my room. And it's also in your room, but it's also in the garage. I was waiting for you to come in the car to go to school this morning. And it says, who will be the next great one? Or who's the, who's the next UConn great? And then it says Dan Hurley's uh, ready to coach the prime capital, basketball capital of the world. And then it says Gino's ready for another great season with the Huskies. I memorized it. You memorized that's what, it. That's what it says. And you know, the thing is, every four or five years, that question really needs to be asked. 
who is going to be the next great. You you look at, and don't take this for granted, fans, especially the fans of the women's team, my goodness. You look at our history, five titles in over 25 years. So every four or five years or what would be considered about a class, there's going to be another Husky great coming down the pike, starting with Chris Smith, all the way through Sonogo. And we have 25 kids to mention in between. Other schools, they just can't say this. Or maybe they say, okay, I had a, a great player. But if, if he doesn't have that bling, how great was he? Am I right? So we're very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it helps, I think, when the women's team is consistently, you know, fi- in the final four. Mm-hmm. You know, last year they just broke that streak. But, you know, they had a lot of injuries and things like that. But, yeah. you know, it, it helps when, you know, you can count on the women's team to be there. And it's just up to the men to get up there. That's kind of what it looks like from the outside. But, but yeah, I mean, it should be a fun year. Yeah, we need to have the women's team have some health. So this is uh, this is where it's going to be Joe versus Joe. Awesome. Now we got true, false, and why, and um, he's gonna he's gonna just take you through. I think he's got a couple of hints that he can give along the way, but this is one of our most popular uh, elements of the show. It started on the boneyard. Do you know what the boneyard is? It's like a, it's a message board, right? Message, message board, board, right? Yeah. For for UConn maniacs, gotcha. fanatics, right? <laughs> and of so I used to. Yeah, I used to post, uh, I probably on, have been on that board almost 20 years. Uh, shout out to uh, all of our listeners on the Boneyard. And I used to post true, false, or why. And w- as we a- approach the end of summer, I would say, here are some questions in my mind. I'd love to get people's answers to them. And I said, you know what? I don't want any of their answers. I'm going to tell them the answers. And when we started doing the podcast, we incorporated it as part of the show. So Joseph, let it rip. Ready for the sliders and curveballs, true, false, and why game? I think so. You, true or false, UConn finishes first place in the Big East regular season standings. Ooh. Can I say there's a chance? <laughs> no, I'll say, I will say false. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too because if we, I mean, even if they do, I wouldn't want them to be because if we weren't first, we didn't place first, Providence did, and then Marquette, no, Marquette, Marquette did, then Providence, and then us, right? Mar- was it Marquette, Creighton, and then I think it was UConn tied with Providence. Yeah, and then... Maybe it makes we, them hungrier. We ended up winning the championship, then the NCAA championship, and we lost in the semifinals in the Big East tournament. So I wouldn't want them to. I would want them to lose in the semifinals and place third again in the You just want you just game. want a repeat of last yes. year. You want to go to another parade. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So Joe, you said and you're not gonna make a lot of fans right now. Okay, you know you got some readers <laughs> That's why out I hesitated there. a little bit. Um, holy cow, uh, fans just went down for Joe. Um you you said it was false. I said false. And yes. and we gotta hear why. Well you know there's another team that I forgot you know, when I was talking about last year's, I think Xavier finished. Xavier was up there in the top four. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. I mean, Marquette—they were the, the they were the regular season champions. They were the tournament champions. They returned almost everybody. Um, they lost um, Omax Prosper, who was you know a big loss for them. But they were returned four out of their five starters, and you know the, the Big East Player of the Year, yeah. Tyler Kolick. You know they're going to be a good team. And then Creighton, you know, Kalkbrenner. Yeah, I know UConn fans have their thing with Kalkbrenner because of you know his rivalry with Adama Sinogo, but um, he's he's good. Um, and then um, what else do we got? I think I think Villanova can has a chance to be really good this year too. Um, they brought in a lot of guys, and you know that second year with Kyle Neptune and Justin Moore healthy, um, I think Villanova is going to be better than people expect. It's definitely going to be a very fun and competitive Big East. Hit him with question number two. True or false, Dan Hurley will win a second ring during his entire rest of his UConn career. I'm going to say true on that one. I don't, I don't know if he would like my answer if I said false. I'm going to say I'm gonna say true, too, because depending on how many more years he plays, whether we go back-to-back, whether we win, we won last year, lose this year, and then win again, I feel like UConn has that ability to win. Whether I'm just going to say Dan Hurley's here for another six years, let's say that. I feel like UConn has the ability to win in the fourth or fifth year, even if we go back-to-back. Back. The real qu- If we go back-to-back, back, can he win a third in his career? 
Yeah, I mean, Look it just that. keeps Yo, going up, right? Cow, every, every time you win another one, they keep adding them on. <laughs> you, you're already getting ready to design the, 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 the next ring. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe, I love the way you think. I got the two Joes <laughs> with me here today, so I got my co-host who's 11, and then what do you got by about 10 years, Mr. Aruda? 12, 23. 12 years. 23. All right, so 11, 23, and 52. <laughs> All right, Joseph, hit him with number three. There are five future NBA players on this UConn team. Uh, I'll say true. I don't think that's that much of a stretch. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because we have Tristan Newton. We're not saying they have to be NBA stars, but just making an NBA team. I'm going to say Tristan Newton, Castle, Stefan Castle, Alex Caravan, Donovan Klingon, and what was the last one? I think you had solo ball on your mind, right? I have solo as a possibility. Or we'll say one of the freshmen. Oh, yeah. And Tristan, he flirted with it last year. So maybe this is the year that he just, you know, the assists go up a little bit, continues to have the great Points. ring generalship. And, um, you know, what are you what are you thinking, uh, Joe? Yeah, I don't know if I should put names out there. But, uh, yeah, I think there are a ton of, you know, obviously Donovan and Alex, they're, they're both, you know, I think Alex is a little underrated on that level. Um, but, you know, Stefan obviously is, a, is a, you know, projected to go this year as a lottery pick so is donovan um you know the rest of that freshman class you know there's some pieces in there that could develop their way into the nba like solo like you mentioned like Jaden ross like like those guys like jalen stewart too um yeah hurley's not going to recruit you unless you have the potential to get it done and you don't have to mention any names but us as a fan podcast we definitely have to mention names so (laughs) yeah um but yeah i think that you guys are both along the right the right lines five I mean, think about that. Five guys on this team. We couldn't even have six, depending on depending on how players do this year. We could have four. We could have six. We could have just five. I know. We'll it see. It depends how Castle does. It depends how Klingon, if he keeps staying healthy and if this foot isn't a problem for, like, uh, Paige Beckers, it, it doesn't keep happening. Yes. Yeah, no, I think it's there's a great possibility, and... That's why there's going to be a big target on their backs yeah. because when you beat this team, you're like, we just beat a team that five, six of these guys could be in the NBA. You know what I mean? It's everybody's big time game that they circle on the schedule. Oh, yeah. But that's the way it used to be when I was growing up watching this team. You know what I mean? You had guys that you could say almost every starter is possibly going to get drafted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Back in the days of uh, Josh Boone, you know, these are guys that are all going to have big careers yeah. or make hundreds of thousands of dollars overseas as well. So uh, definitely he ha- uh, Hurley has a very great skill set for getting the right players. And I definitely love the trajectory of the way that he's building the teams, even missing out on somebody like, uh, like Flag. Yeah, I mean, they come in with a plan that Hurley designs with them. I mean, Jordan Hawkins, the plan for Jordan Hawkins was come one year, develop, play your second year, and then leave. You know, win a championship and leave. And, and that's that, what happened. That's exactly what happened. So, And Hurley predicted it. Predicted his exact like point total, you know, for last year, his exact average, really predicted it like on the dot. So. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, Joseph, make these questions are getting harder as they go, right? Okay. You may need a hint on this one. UConn averages less points per game this year than last year. If you want a hint, I have one. Um, I'm gonna say true. I'm gonna say true. Jordan Hawkins is the reason. Yeah, okay. and then the hint would be seventy-eight point six. That's what they averaged last year? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think they could still be around that same number. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just losing, they lost 62% of the scoring. I just did the math. I don't remember if it's 68 or 62. I think it's 62. Um, they, that's how much scoring they lost from last year's team. So, yeah, a lot of guys are going to have to step up. Yeah. Won four to one back-to-back titles in 2006 and 2007. They had five guys who all averaged 12 points a game, including future 17-year-old pro Al Horford. UConn will have five guys averaging double figures this year. Uh, I'll say true. The I hint, like it. The hint would be last four year nearly four did. Yeah, I think this year it's a little bit more balanced because they don't have, you know, a Jordan Hawkins or, you know, I don't know how, what Donovan's going to be like. You know, I don't know if he's going to be like a Dama where it's like you just throw it down to him and he scores almost every time he has the ball, but we'll see. I think that's definitely a goal. They want to spread it out this year. 
Yeah, so they had three last year, and I believe that um, Alex uh, averaged around 9.5, so almost four. But now, you're right, the balance could be a little bit better this year. And when you look back at those Florida teams that went back-to-back, you guys were both, uh, you know, Joe, you were young, and obviously, uh, Joseph, uh, you weren't born yet, but those those were some pretty nasty teams because everybody could hurt you on a different day. And if you could have that type of makeup, yeah. it's really good. Kim Spencer makes more three-pointers than Alex Caravan this year. Ooh, um, going back to that three-point contest, um, I would say true. I'd say true. He wants to. He wants to rematch. He wants to get him back. Fun fact: Cam with records made seventy-two. Alex made sixty-six. Yeah, yeah. Alex lets his shots really come to him. Cam was more of a, you know, on the ball guy. But Alex will stand there and he'll wait for his opportunity, so he doesn't yeah. force anything. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, uh, you know, you say to yourself, Alex Caraban. Imagine if we had two of him. You might. Yeah. I mean, this kid's a, a really good shooter, and um, I hope it helps out the spacing so somebody like a castle and a ball are just going to have those lanes available to get where they want to get to the rim to be finishers. Could be really exciting. Yeah. Somebody other than Tristan Newton gets a t- triple-double this season. Ooh. That's a tough I'll say one. true. I'll say I- true. I'm saying Klingon. Klingon. Uh, actually, you know, Klingon is very underrated as a passer. He's a way better passer than people think. That's a good. I didn't That's even think about that. That's what I told you, you in the call. Yeah, I said, what's his third category going to be? Because I don't know if it would be blocks, but can he pass out of the post and get to 10 assists? I don't know if they'll leave him in the game long enough to get 10 blocks. I think that's sure. kind of a yeah. route. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, it's kind of hard. But maybe Stefan Castle, could he Could he have that type of that's, game? That's where my brain went uh, yeah. when you said it. But Donovan was yeah. a good good name to throw out there for it, too. And I think. I mean, could Caravan? He doesn't have the ball in his hands that much to get the, the assists. Has he had multiple rebound, um, 10 rebounds or more in a game? I mean, he's a power forward. And, I mean, last year I would count him as a small forward last year. But, I mean, I didn't really see him playing the power forward that much last year. Well, he likes to hang out on the perimeter for sure. But yeah. it was exciting yeah. when he went inside. Even when he dunked last year, that was so cool. Yeah, that was I think he's going to continue to open up his game even more. But uh, if Castle can be a threat, Tristan did it, what, twice last year? Yep. 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 And that doesn't happen very often. No, it was the first time it ever happened in program history, two, two times in the same year. Right. There's only probably six or seven names out of all the greats that have had a triple-double, yeah. even yeah. against the cupcake portion of the schedule. So that would be exciting to, to think about. Yeah, he had one of them against Marquette, too. You know, it was Buffalo, and it was Marquette. So he did it against a good team. Absolutely. Stefan Castle comes in second place for Big East Freshman of the Year, true or false? I'm going to say false. I think he'll win Big East Freshman of the Year. <laughs> that's great. That's that's. But awesome. I might be forgetting about somebody. Who, who are you no, thinking about? No, forget about him. <laughs> who are you thinking about? I mean, what other great freshmen are out there in the Big East this year? Who who would give them some competition? I'm blanking right now. <laughs> I mean, if you put Solo as a six man, I mean. Well, you're talking about our own team, but what about you know? I'm uh, not 100 percent sure how many other great ones are on some of the other teams. Um, I'm focused with my blue glasses on, so. <laughs> You know what? Let's let's just say it's going to happen. Yeah. Stefan. Yeah. Get ready to find a space for the hardware. The biggest player of the year next year will be Marquette's Tyler Kolick again. I'm going to say false. I'm saying Klingon. And I'm not saying that just because I love UConn. I'm saying that because I mean it. I mean, big man, rebounds, great, I mean, great dunker. It's a, his second injury with UConn as a big man. And well, you met him. You met him at Red sword. Fox, right? Yeah. Thank you to that nil um, meeting, and uh, that was really cool. We had some steak. We had some pasta, and Klingon awesome. comes on over, private one-on-one chat with him, takes several pictures with, with uh, Joe, signs our, uh, our frame, and we put the picture in it. PK MVP. This is, you know, three weeks later, he's going to win a national championship. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, the NIL stuff has created some cool opportunities like that for these kids to get out and, you know, meet meet the community, really. Yeah. And and get compensated, too. I think it it has, there is a positive side to it, definitely. You know, if I can go back in time, I would have loved to have brought Ray Allen in the studio. You know what I mean? But, and, and so that opportunity does exist. So there are some really neat elements to it. So you throw out Tyler and, 
are you saying uh, th- there's a possibility that the player of the year could be from UConn? Yeah, I mean, it could be clinging. There's so many good players in the Big East. So the reason yeah. I say false is because there are just so many. What are the odds that, you know, Marquette does what they did again, you know, dual champs? I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't necessarily think that it will, but it could. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for a bunch of different guys like, you know, Bryce Hopkins, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Donovan Klingon, um, even like, you know, Alex Caravan, maybe, maybe yeah. someone else on UConn that's not Donovan. Who knows how it shakes out. As a sophomore, Sonogo averaged 15-9, and nine, led the Big East in rebounding, had 55 blocks, and scored 30 points versus a ranked Auburn team. In the Mecca Okafor's sophomore season, he averaged 16-11. and 11. This year, Klingon surpassed both players in points and rebounds, or points and rebound averages. True or false? Uh, I'm going to say false. Just because what Adama did was so consistent on a nightly basis, um, I think, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, it's it's tough to project players' a- uh, averages, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was neat falls. to kind of research their sophomore years, and they were so close to each other. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, once again, the health factor, how many minutes he's going to get, and then also how good is Samson right. uh, helping him out when he comes in? Does he continue the process, or do they have to put it, you know, Donovan back in with a third fall because all of a sudden our lead is slipping away or, or yeah. we're falling into a hole. It's really tough to tell the other contributors what they're going to do to help with that number. But boy, would it be great if he was in arm's length of, of those numbers that those sophomores put up. I said yeah. he was going to be both in points having 17 a game. I I don't think he Klingon could beat 11 rebounds. Nine, I mean... Nine, maybe. Eleven is tough, especially with Eleven this team. Eleven is tough. Yeah, they have like a lot of good team. rebounding guards. Yeah. yeah, so. UConn wins November's November's Empire Classic at M- MSG. First game, Indiana, then maybe Texas if they both beat their teams. I'll say true. Why not? I'll say true. Couple, All right. I like preseason that. non-conference wins. Let's get the season off to a good start. In a 10-team NBA fantasy league, my dad finished sixth or worse. And I played him first week of the NBA. You don't have to share the score. I destroyed <laughs> him 1,136 to 834. Wow. I had the ninth pick in a 10-team in a league. I, I don't even know first. how that question that – was, that was our final question. How did that make that on there? <laughs> um, yeah, so he comes running around the house. He's like, I got Joker, I got Joker. I said, well, what do you mean? The draft is in a half an hour. He says, oh, no, they, they, you're, you got the ninth pick. <laughs> and uh, I ended up with Sabonis. Because I, I, I had heard that if you don't take a center, you're going to end up with, you know, JaVale McGee. So I was like, okay, ninth pick, I got Sabonis. Then it snakes around again. So I went Sabonis. Um, Dame. Dame Lillard. LeBron kind of left my mind for a minute. He could have had Sabonis and LeBron. Instead, he took Sabonis and Lillard. And then... I, I mean, do have Wemby. Okay. But, yeah, I'm not doing too well. Lem- and he, and I mean, he crushed me. But if you still have Wemby now, you could have took uh, you could have took LeBron and then Dame. And then no one would have him. No one would have him. And then you have your center. And then you have two great players who are probably both going to make the Hall of Fame. I'm struggling, Joe. So uh, <laughs> he's loading you up to be able to answer this. I'm, I'm right now in around ninth place, I think. Gotcha. But it's a long season, though. It's a long second. year. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? I, I'll say, I'll say true for you. I, I think he finished six or worse. But uh, I, think <laughs> I'm, I, I think I'm going to place top three. It's going to be my uncle Lou who just won the card. Then it's going to be my cousin Billy who I'm playing right now, and then it's going to be me. And yeah, those are the guy. Uh, one and guy and Uncle Dave has has got a good team no, too. He's placing fifth. Oh, he's about to lose <laughs> to Craig. So we start off. Joe says he grew up somewhat a Syracuse fan. Yeah, Are we talking yeah, Derek it. Coleman that era. Or yeah, like um, that's even Scoop Jardine, Chris Joseph, Brandon Trish, those guys. I forget what years. Like early twenty ten. You, you, you come into uh, my studio. <laughs> you, you're telling me that you like Scoop Jardine, <laughs> and then you end the the the, the, <laughs> the episode saying I'm going to finish six, six or worse. worse. 
Guess I won't be invited back. Wow, Joe. Holy <laughs> cow. Let's let's get ready to book another guest for the annual uh, podcast next year with I mean, the UConn preview. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's true. You <laughs> well, are. Well, we want to thank you. I got to stick with the Joes. I can't, can't Joes, turn my back yeah, on Joe. The Joes Joe. have ganged up on me. Well, Lou, you get the Shohei Otani card, which is was sold out, and Paul Jenis was nice enough to give us some extras when we went to the Northeast Sports, Sports card, card Expo. Expo. And um, we got, what, about a dozen cards. We're going to use a lot of them. We play this thing called Super Bowl Bingo when we have uh, when the Super Bowl comes around. And so congratulations, Lou. You get the card. Joe, Aruda, thank you so much. We enjoy your articles in the Hartford Current. Um, I think you did pretty good with the true-false. What I think it spells out is that there's a lot of optimism around this team. And uh, you know what? We're going to bring Uncle Lou into that chair to the left of me if that dual championship actually happens. happens. Yeah. What do you think about that? That would be crazy. And also, if I finish towards the top of this fantasy league, you'll be getting a message from me, Mr. Aruda. (laughs) Okay? Joseph, I love you. Thank you so much. I love you. And uh, everybody, we'll see you next time on the Sliders and Curveballs podcast. Enjoy.